only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Love Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and welcome to Patricia Adams Live. We're back in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for standing by. We thank you for your patience and being with us, and we thank you most definitely for coming back to hear the conclusion of The Prophet and the Prostitute. After we complete this uh, series on Part 5 of The Prophet and the Prostitute, we will be taking this um, discussion offline to a virtual class. So I invite you to definitely come and join the class at www.wiziq.com forward slash Patricia E. Adams. Again, we will be taking this discussion offline for further study at a virtual class located at www.wiziq.com forward slash Patricia E. Adams. And we thank you so much again for joining us for the conclusion of The Prophet and the Prostitute. We're going to start out with prayer, and we're going to immediately get into the Word of God because this message is so powerful, it's so strong that we don't really have a lot of time to do a lot of alternative things because I really want to try to bring this home. When we last concluded on part 4B, we were talking about the root of bitterness and how it is generationally tied into your lineage and it passes on from generation to generation. And if it is not pulled up at the root, it will trouble everything that it comes in contact with. So we want to thank those of you who have tuned in today to hear what God would have us to do and what God would have us to say about bitterness and how we move from bitterness and move into restoration. We want to thank those of you who have joined us online and those of you who are about to join us in the chat room. We want to welcome you as well. And so we thank you so much for your continued patience and your continued support of Patricia Adams' life. And once again, as I said, we will be coming into the conclusion of the book of Hosea, and we will be discussing the impact that bitterness has had on his people and how we have been affected by this. And for those of you who have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to the book of Hosea, um, it would be most helpful because I want you to be able to look at the information as we're going along and kind of follow what God is saying to your spirit and what he is calling us to. Because the book of Hosea is a prophetic book, but it's also pointing 
towards the New Testament and anything that is prophetic. Um, Hosea was a minor prophet, but nevertheless, he was a very key prophet in the prophetic calling that God had for his people to be restored from apostasy, from rebellion, from witchcraft, from idolatry, from um, lust and the things that were causing them to stray away from his love and away from his compassion. So we want to just say right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go into this final broadcast on the book of Hosea, dealing with the root of bitterness and coming into the portion that you have for us, we bind the principalities, the powers, and the rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places away from us and away from this broadcast and from the listeners and the participators, our loved ones and our family. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over every house, over every situation and every circumstance in our lives, and that you watch over your word and everything that pertains to our life and godliness. Father, you said that you would watch over it and that you would perform that which you have asked um, that we have asked you to do, and God, I thank you and I praise you that right now in the name of Jesus that the angels of heaven have been put on alert to stand guard over this broadcast and over the listeners of this broadcast from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we declare it and we decree it in the name of Jesus that your word have free reign, let your word have free course in the midst of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, starting out with uh, chapter 14 of the book of Hosea, it says, O Israel, this is the King James Version, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord, say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so we will render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us, we will not ride upon horses, Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. And that is uh, Hosea 14, 1 through 4. And as we go on, we get into the part of God's anger, because they have been unkind. And in verse 5, uh, we're going, and I apologize, let's go back to uh, verse 4. Verse 4, we're in uh, Hosea chapter 14, verse 4. This is God's promise to bless them if they would repent. Remember, he says that he would heal our land if we would turn from our wicked ways. He would heal the land. Here, Hosea chapter 14, verse 4 says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his fruits as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Verse 8 says, Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree from me is thy fruit found. Who is wise and who shall understand these things? Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. So here we are. 
the first portion of chapter 14 is Israel is being put on final alert. Repent. Repent from what? Repent from your iniquities because they have caused you to fall. What is it that continues to cause the children of Israel to fall? This is over 650 years after they have been brought out of the land of Egypt, after they have come through the land of the wilderness. This is a long time for them to suddenly return back to that which God has brought them out of. Now, how is that? Because the people that originally were in Egypt and in the promised land obviously cannot be alive 650-plus years later. That's no way. So what do we have? We have their generations. We have the people that belong to them. We have the children and the children's children's children that belong to those who were in bondage. They came out with the goods that God had for them. They were not sick. They were not tattered. They were not torn. Their strength was renewed. They crossed over. And now they have come in and they have assembled themselves again with idolaters. They've assembled themselves with those who worship Baal under the trees and in the groves. And they have now become puffed up in themselves. And they're looking at all of their prosperity and they're saying, look at what our hands have done. Look at what we've been able to accomplish. We've done this by ourselves. So first and foremost, they remove God out of the picture as the one who has provided for them, as the one who has been the source who's been their strength, who's been their provider, who's been their shade, their shelter, their raiment, everything that God has done from them, suddenly they have forgotten. The Word of God tells us that we are to teach our children on the way so that they would remember the goodness of the Lord. Somewhere in this transition, coming out of the land of bondage and coming into prosperity, they have forgotten to pass on the things that God has required them to do, to tell their children, remind their children of the goodness of the Lord. And now their children are increasingly waxing worse, and they're becoming more and more vile in their ways. They have gone through a period of great prosperity, of great wealth, and if you'll recall what we were talking about, how God just basically turned them over to themselves. He dried up the sea. There were no more uh, fruit, if you would, from the sea. They couldn't fish from the sea because it was dried up. They couldn't eat from the ground. So anything that was of seed bearing, a tree, a fruit, a plant, all of that, he dried the grounds up for them uh, because of their iniquities. They could not even receive the things that they were getting from um, their their cattle, their sheep, all of that. They couldn't even get good uh, yield from that because the animals had nothing to eat. So the whole of them, they were being punished. They were being punished for turning their backs on God and worshiping and, and becoming lovers of themselves, and they were loving one another, men being with men and women being with women, and all of this, and they were just doing all kinds of vile things. But here they are. Here they are once again, and God is saying, I need for you to turn. I need you to turn from the things that that your mother and your fathers were doing. 
I need for you to understand that I am God. And when we forget who God is, when we forget who God is, God has a way of bringing us back. He has a way of bringing us full circle. He has a way of making us do what it is that he wants us to do. And I guess I shouldn't even use the word make because he's actually calling for a worship. He's calling for a praise from his people. He's calling for his people to do that which pleases him. So here we are, and we are definitely seeking the face of God. We're seeking the face of God for the things that God says that we could do. And how do we get there? How, how do we get to the exploits? How do we get to do great and mighty things? How do we get to the place to where we can just call on God and know that he is there? Know that he's faithful. Know that he's just. Know that he's true. Know that his word is everlasting. Know that his love, his unconditional love, is forever um, before him. He wants us to call on him. And now here we are looking back into the book of Hosea. And I see a reflection of us today that we've gotten so complacent and we've gotten so caught up in ourselves and when the stock market crashed and all the things that we thought we could hold on to, all the things that we thought were going to bring us into a place of just total comfort where we would never, ever have to even rely on anyone else, all the things that we put our trust in, all the things that we built our hopes on suddenly became temporal. We saw how fragile they were. We saw how quickly things could just go. People lost thousands and thousands and millions and billions of dollars in this recent transition in September in uh, 2008. But here we are. God is still faithful. Some of us aren't still here in the land of the living. Uh, I know I've lost loved ones. I'm sure you've lost loved ones. But God has seen fit to leave you here. And why has he left you here? He has not left you here to continue to worship yourself. He's not left you here to continue to do the things that please you. He's not left you here to continue to reach out for the things that bring you temporary satisfaction. He is looking for a people. He turns from them because he says, okay, you don't want to be my people. I'm not going to be your God. He, he stopped wooing them. He stopped pursuing them. And he stopped even um, being concerned, being concerned for them. And, and I can't imagine ever not wanting God to be concerned about me. I want him to love me. I want him to care enough about me that he will see about me. I don't want to find myself waking up one morning and realizing that I'm on my own. <laughs> I'm absolutely on my own. And where is God? When I call him, he doesn't answer me. When, when I need him, he's not there. When I cry, he doesn't dry my tears. I can't imagine living my life like that. I can't imagine the reality of saying, well, you know, um, 
so what? You know, God, God's not paying attention to me, but I got this nice house, I got this nice car, I got this great job, I got everything that I need. You know, I don't really need God right now anyway, so fine if he's not paying any attention to me. I just can't imagine getting to that place, but this is where the children of Israel found themselves, just like that. You know, they were doing fine without God, so they thought. And I guess for some reason or another, when people are doing fine without God, they seem to think that there is no God. Now, I'm not saying that they thought that there was no God because there was evidence in their lives. It was in their blood. It was in their lineage. It was in their genetic makeup to know that there was a God. So it takes us kind of forward in a little bit to say the New Testament. It says, you know, that they had become like uh, whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones, full of idle things and, and full of works and full of things that they could point to, but they were all temporal things, things that could be burned up, things that could be blown away, things that could be tossed away. They were all things that didn't matter. They really didn't matter because the one thing that you are promised to do is that is death. It is appointed unto you to die, and after that, then comes the judgment. When you leave from here, everything that you have acquired, everything that you have amassed, gets left behind. It gets left behind. Only what people choose to dress you in, only what people choose to drop in your casket goes with you. So... You know, you could ask, well, okay, you know, I, I want to be buried in uh, my Mercedes. I want to be um, dressed in my, my finest uh, gown. I want to have uh, my hair did a certain way. I want my clothes to um, make sure that you have my clothes all shiny and pressed. I mean, you can leave all of those kinds of things in a will, and you can hope that people will do that. You can say, you know, I don't want to be cremated. I want to be buried. Well, ultimately, somebody else is going to make that decision because even if you leave a will, sometimes people still don't follow the will. They find a way around it. All of these things that you believe you've acquired, all these things that you believe that you're so proud of, you know, come to my house, come to my party, come, you know, go for a walk with me, you know, around the property. All these things one day are going to be left behind. But the one thing that will not be left behind will be your soul. Your soul will give an account for how you've lived. Here the children of Israel are, and they have forgotten that there is going to be a reckoning day. There is going to be a judgment, and they're living as if, Judgment will never come. God puts them in remembrance of who he is. And he's like, you're living as if you will never, ever pay for your sins, as if you will never, ever have to repent. You believe that I'm going to continue to wink at you and turn my back and act as if I didn't see you do what you did? Let me show you that I'm God. You don't have to be my people. Don't worry about that. He, he, he even gives them a free pass. You don't want to be my people. I don't have to be your God, but I am God. Do you understand that? He says, you don't have to be my people, and I don't have to be your God, but it does not change that I am God. So here he is showing them 
that you are people. I'm God. Imagine that. People having to be shown that there is God. Who are we to stand against God? Who are we? When I wake up every morning, I'm I'm so aware that I didn't really wake myself up. I got up because of the goodness of God who saw fit to leave the breath of life in my body, who saw fit to keep my blood flowing during the night, who saw fit to keep my organs healthy so that I could receive the breath of life when I got up. So when I woke up and I put my feet on the ground, I had received the benefits of God for that day alone just by waking up, just being in the land of the living. So for 650 years plus, they had risen, laid down, risen, laid down, put their hands to the plow, prospered, and somehow forgot why they rose and why they laid down. The word says that in him we live, we move, and we have our being. If we are not moving, living, and having our being in him, then we are most definitely walking dead. We are walking around, breathing, but we are breathing in not what God would have us to breathe in, but the things that satisfy us, those temporal things. So God is telling them, I need for you to repent. I exhort you to repent. I exhort you to repent. And he got their attention. They were so famished, they were so hungry, that they began to eat their own children. They were no longer offering, having babies to offer them at the sacrifice uh, altar of Baal. They began to eat their own children. They began just turning to total cannibalism. All of these things they began to do because they didn't know how to survive. They did not know how to survive. They thought they knew how to survive. But when God removed the creeping, the crawling things, the birds, the fish, the everything, the, the seed-bearing fruit, everything that he had put on the earth from them, it's like he took... Uh, if you would, like taking the Garden of Eden, Eden and stripping it bare. If you can just visualize the Garden of Eden being a bountiful place full of everything that you could imagine, suddenly, with one breath, wiped out. Totally wiped out. Totally, totally wiped out. Now, in my mind, I, I go from seeing these lush trees and the lush grass and, and the beautiful birds walking around and the fruit hanging off the tree and all the animals just walking in the cool of the day. Everybody is just so comfortable. Everybody is just so comfortable. And everything that you want, you don't have to buy anything. It's just yours. It's yours for the asking. It's yours for the taking. Everything but that one tree. <laughs> Everything but that one tree, and that's your tithe. That's his tithe. He was the first tither. He tithed his son to us. So here we are. Here we are looking back. The people who refuse to learn from their history are destined to repeat their mistakes. God is saying to us today, don't forget who you are but please remember who I am. Look at that again. Don't forget who you are, but please remember who I am. I am that I am. 
whatever it is that I need to be in order to maintain my status as God. That is what I am. Whoever you need to be in order to maintain your status as a people, as a person, is not in your hands, it's in God's hands. I heard today the shrill of death come out of someone who had just suddenly lost someone. And anyone who has ever lost someone, you recognize that sound immediately. And you know somebody has lost someone that they love. I heard that sound, and as I was meditating on this word, preparing for this broadcast, I heard God say to my heart, and he said, you've watched the Ten Commandments. You've watched Cecil B. DeMille's version of what it was like when death passed through the street. He said, but you heard the cry of someone, not scripted, but someone who was actually going through actually going through the loss of a loved one. Psalms 23 says that, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Passing through, death passing by, death passing through, death all around, death all around us, but yet God is faithful. He's faithful that when he touches one, he doesn't touch all of us that when he allows one to go, he doesn't take all of us. Who can control that but God? Mere machines can't control it. Who can control it? No one can control that. No one but God. Ultimately, he says, don't fear the one who can destroy your body, but fear the one who can destroy both your body and your soul. So the cry of the mother's, as they probably had to cook their babies to survive, hoping that maybe giving it to one of their other babies, hoping that baby would survive. And when that baby didn't survive, having to eat that baby so they could survive. Because I can't imagine children eating their parents because most of the children probably weren't strong enough if you think about those younger. But... Think about maybe a 10, 12, 13, and on up having to look and say, you know, my parents are weakening, my parents are dying, and if I want to live, I'm going to have to eat my parents. Can you imagine? Somewhere in Africa, somewhere in some of the third world countries, children may be having to make those kinds of decisions. Parents may be having to make those kinds of decisions. But we are living in the United States of America, and we have not been put to the test to have to make those kinds of decisions. Will there come a time? Who knows? Only God knows. But the one thing that I do know is should I find myself living in a time like that? If I've put my trust in God, if I've turned and I've repented and I've turned away from the iniquities, iniquities are the wickedness, the twisted things that we do, the things that have been genetically encoded into us from our mothers, our fathers, our grandfathers, and our great-grandfathers, those people, even people who have done harm to you, people who have uh, did vile and ugly things to you that were family members and non-family members, genetically you're encoded by your parents 
but there is a spiritual encoding that also occurs when you've been assaulted. When someone has violated you, they implant something into you, the spirit, because there's a breaking, there's a tearing, there's a ripping of your soul and of your spirit. And when that happens, the, the demonic forces latch on to that wound, latch on to that injury. And it creates a stronghold, a soul tie, a bondage between you and that person who has harmed you, the person that you thought you could have trusted and you couldn't trust, the person that you thought was going to protect you and didn't protect you. Those soul ties are there. And they follow you from one generation to the next. A mother can go through, um, just reflecting back, I don't know if any of you who are listening have watched the movie Woman There Are Loose by Bishop T.D. Jakes. I highly recommend it. And the reason why I highly recommend it is because it addresses soul ties. I remember the young lady who ended up going to prison, how um, her mother was in denial about what her boyfriend had done to her daughter, had raised her, and couldn't believe that he had done that and couldn't believe that she had taken away the man that loved her so she thought and the man that she loved over something that the daughter just made up. But then finally when um, the movie kind of segues way over to confession time, she makes a comment and she says, little girls have their dresses. Every little girl has, I'm not, you know, just paraphrasing, every little girl has their dresses and their crosses to bear, basically saying that her mother turned the other eye, turned away when she went to her mother and told her mother that one of her friends had raped her. So here you have the daughter having been raped, her mother having been raped, and the possibility of her mother having been raped. How could that be when these three women necessarily weren't born to witness that? It's a soul tie. It's a generational curse. It's a generational bondage that passes from generation to generation. That's why when the spirit of bitterness is in you and it becomes engrafted down inside of you and your family line and your lineage, it wraps its roots like tentacles and it holds on and it digs in deep. And the way that you break it is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness breaks the hold, pulls up the roots, unravels them from around that incident in your life. There are people who have been adopted. I myself personally could not understand some of the things that would happen in my life, had no point of reference for them. But later tracing back to my birth parents, understanding some things that happened to them, understanding some things that happened prior and in between my growing up, I was encoded genetically and encoded spiritually with soul ties from the things that had happened to my mother, to her mother's mother, to my father, to my father's father. All of these things were passed on to me. So when the Bible tells us to work out your soul salvation in fear and trembling, it's speaking of these things, these iniquities, these things that would cause you 
to run away from God instead of coming to God. And when we find ourselves running from God instead of coming to God, we run to things, people, stuff, circumstances, and situations. And when we do that, we find out that we have not even lived our lives. We have not even lived our lives accordingly to the plan that God has for us. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says that he knows the thoughts that he thinks about us, the things, the plans that he has for us to prosper us, to, to give us great success, not to harm us. I remember when I read that passage of Scripture and it came alive in my soul. And for the first time in my life, I began to understand how much God loved me and how much he wanted me to walk in authority and how much he wanted me to walk out Deuteronomy where he says that I've set before you life and death, but I've also given you the power to get wealth. And he says that I want you to know that I want you to do well. I want you, First John says, I want you to be in health, even as your soul prospers. But he prefaces by saying, beloved, 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 beloved. Someone who is loved, I mean, loves immensely. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us, that if we would turn from the iniquities and the transgressions of our forefathers and the things that yank us and pull at us and tug at us and say, you know, I am the captain of this ship. I'm in control of my life. I am the one who is successful. I'm the one who has ascended to these great heights. And the word of God comes back and says, my, how the mighty have fallen. Well, the children of Israel are the epitome of that in the book of Hosea. Absolutely, completely, and totally. I'm sure that there was a remnant that was still serving God, because even Elijah, when he was saying, you know, when he was running from Jezebel, you know, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. And God says, you know, I have seven other thousand who have not bowed their knee to the prophet of Baal. So <laughs> when you think that you're all of that, and when you think that you have accomplished all that there is to accomplish, just know that God is God all by himself, all by himself. And if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder, who you are, who you are in retrospect to who God is, then I encourage you to take a look at the book of Hosea because if you ever, ever forget who you are, just remember who he is because he is forever, ever, ever watching over us. He's forever watching us. He is forever taking note of what we're doing. Revelation says that records are being kept. Don't don't be deceived. Don't be deceived down here. Records are being kept. Records are being kept. I repeat that records are being kept. And these records will be there 
when you get there, and you will definitely, definitely not be able to get away from the records that he keeps. Down here, we can shred them, we can burn them, we can uh, erase them, we can delete them, and think nobody knows. Nobody knows what happened. But when you get to heaven, oh, my God, the things that he knows about us. If people on earth knew the things that God knows about us, my God, how sad we would be. I remember hearing a pastor says, you know, how would you feel if suddenly your life began to play on the screen, the video screen in church? For those of you who attend churches where there are video monitors um, and the church uh, is streaming uh, the message live and, and they're recording and they're videotaping, how would you feel if suddenly the tape turned on to your life and you were sitting in church and, and you had your best clothes on and you had your hat on and uh, you were all excited. You were all excited about what it was that uh, you thought you were doing. How would it look? How would it look? How would it look to know that there you are in your Sunday best, there you are looking good, smelling good, looking fine, and money in your pocket, money in the bank, nice car in the parking lot, and your wife, your husband, your children, whatever, sitting next to you, and all of a sudden, every single detail of your life suddenly starts to play online. Can't you hear a hush in the sanctuary? Can't you hear a pin drop? Can't you hear a mouse scampering across the carpet? Can't you hear the people holding their breath, pointing their fingers? And then all of a sudden, your story's over and someone else's story begins to play. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would feel like? Well, you're going to get the chance to find out what that feels like when you leave and you go before the judgment seat. God is calling us to turn from our wicked ways. God is calling for us to come back. Chapter 14, verse 4 says, I will heal their backsliding. I remember reading this, and I asked him to heal my backsliding. My backsliding was is that whatever, um, whenever I would attend a church and I would look and I would see something and the pastor or someone wasn't doing, I would use that as reason to say, that's why, that's why, you know, I, I keep turning away because, they aren't living what they say. They're always talking about do what I say, not what I do. And I would use that as my excuse to go and do what I wanted to do. But when God called me to account and he had an encounter with me, when he confronted me with my transgressions and with my iniquities, and he said, now you know too much word, you know too much about me to live the way that you're living. You're out of time. Didn't mean that my life was over, but I was out of grace. 
Don't let anyone tell you that grace goes on and on and on and on. God says to whom much is given, much is required. Even God will stop. There is a point where grace does stop in the lives of believers. When God has placed his hand on you and you know he has placed his hand on you, he will call you into account. Now, that's enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. And he will speak sternly and firmly to you and tell you, you need to repent. And that's what he does in chapter 14, verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord. It is capitalized, the Lord thy God. Lord, the one who is ruling and reigning on the throne, the one who has the authority over you to take your life just like that. For thou hast fallen by thine iniquity, not his takes us to the word in the New Testament. It says, let no man say that when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. No, when he is tempted, he is led away by his own lusts and desires. So now take with you words and turn to the Lord, say unto him. He says, you haven't even been talking to me. In verse 2, he says, take with you words and turn. I need you to speak so that I can hear you, and I need you to turn. I need you to change. And come to the Lord, the L-O-R-D, the one who is in charge, and say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. Because without repentance, there is no grace. So will we render the calves of our lips? We will speak. We will speak. Because they're too busy having a good time. The God that they were worshiping, he says, now I want you to denounce them. Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. The horses won't save you. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods. No more will we say that we have done this. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. He's telling them, this is what you need to do. I'm asking you, I'm exhorting you, I'm commanding you to repent. And he says, if you will do this, then I promise that I will bless you. I'll heal your backslidings in verse 4. I will love you freely, unconditionally, for my anger is turned away from you. If you will do what? Repent. I'll be as a dew unto Israel. I will cause you to grow as a lily, and I will cast forth your fruits as Lebanon. The trees take root, and they just are bountiful with fruit. His branches shall spread. They won't droop. They won't hang down. And his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. You used to dwell under my shadow. If you'll repent, you can return. They'll revive as the corn. And they'll grow as the vine, and the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. He's asking them to repent. And not just asking, it says exhorted to repent. There is a huge difference. There is an absolute huge difference in saying, oh, would you please, please come home. Have you ever, like, uh, people who maybe just... Um, run away from home and, and you go looking for them, your children or someone you know, their children run away from home or your husband 
or someone that you love leaves you and you go begging them to come home, please come home. I'll, I'll do whatever you need. I'll do whatever you want. I, I just need you to come home. Would you please come home? I'll change. I promise I'll change. Whatever you need to do, you know, I'll do whatever you want. Just come home. God's not pleading. He's not begging. He is exhorting them to come home. He's exhorting them to recognize who it is, who it is, who is Lord. The Lord. The Lord of your life the Lord of your soul, the Lord of everything that you own, every possession that you have, he is Lord. Because when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to run away from him? Are you going to continue to leave from his presence? Are you going to continue to hide from him? Are you going to continue to just pretend that you're God and he's not? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Make a decision, and you have to make one today. I pray that as we are broadcasting this, that even when this message goes into the archives and those of you who come by to hear it, that you will know him in the free pardon that he has already granted you, that you would just give your life to him. Just ask him to come into your heart. Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew within me a right spirit. And whatever you do, don't take your spirit from me. He wants to love you. He wants to show you how much he loves you. He wants you to see his love for you. Not just hear about it from somebody else. You know, you have people who evangelize and you have people who come by and talk about, oh, you know how great God is and how good God is and and all of that. But then you have people who need to hear God, who need to hear God who need to know that God is real. They need to know that God is available for them. They need to know that God cares. And who better to show them that God cares for them than someone who has allowed him to be Lord over their lives? I can't imagine living another day, another moment, another hour, another second, without his love. I can't imagine ever, ever having the sense of knowing that one day he was going to stop loving me. One day he was going to stop telling me that I was his beloved. One day he would stop telling me that I was his friend. You can take and survive someone leaving you. Because if they can leave you, then you can surely live without them. Because God made you to be precious. He made you to be unique. He made you to be royal. He did not make you to die because someone doesn't love you. 
He made you for his good pleasure. He made you for his kingdom purposes. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's so much more than even if you've ascended to great heights and you've done all kinds of things and and you've just experienced all kinds of things and you think that you've reached the epitome of where you want to go and and you are exactly where you want to be, where you thought you would be, where you dreamed you would be, all of that, if you believe that, you know, that's wonderful. I'm happy for you. But I believe that whatever it is that you think that you have accomplished, whatever it is that you believe that you have achieved, that it will become much sweeter and much more appealing to you and so much more enhanced and so much more liberating inside of you if you know that whatever you have, God can ask for it at any time, God can remove it at any time, be it someone that you just don't think that you could live without. Know this, he is still God. He is the Lord of us all. And when we leave here, some of us are going to leave here. Naked we came in, naked we're going to return. There's no way around it. You can't take your position. You can't take your checkbook. You can take your checkbook. You can have somebody drop it in the casket for you, but you can't write a check. You can't write a, a, a get-out-of-jail card. You can't uh, write a pass and say, okay, you know, I, I changed my mind. I don't want to be dead. You can't do any of that. So you're going to leave this place. You came in naked. Someone dressed you. You're going to leave naked, and someone else is going to dress you. But when the lid is closed on you, there is a reckoning that will take place in heaven. And your record is on hot. How have you lived? What is your record going to say about you? It doesn't matter what people say about you when you're stretched across the altar or when you're uh, cremated in an urn. It doesn't matter what they say. You know, that makes the family feel good and, and all of that. But ultimately, what is God going to say about you? That's what you should be concerned about is what is God going to say about you? What is God going to say to you? What is God going to say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Is that what he's going to say? I hope he does. But if you haven't lived your life, being good isn't good enough. It's not enough to be good. You must be born again. The word of God says that you must be born again. I didn't say that. The word of God says it. You must be born again. You can be as good as you want to be, but you must be born again. Now, I want to, again, um, remind you that God is going to really take the book of Hosea from what he's been sharing with me totally into a different perspective than what we've been able to cover on the broadcast. And we're going to be doing this in a virtual classroom and the location is going to be www.wiz, IQ, like the Wizard of Oz, wiz, W-I-Z-I-Q.com forward slash Patricia E. Adams, all lowercase, all one word. 
www.wiziq.com forward slash Patricia E. Adams, and we will be beta testing the virtual classroom this afternoon at 5 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. And we're going to go into the book of Hosea, and also we're going to be looking at it from a character study, but most of all we're going to be going into it from the viewpoint of intimacy with God. I am uh, blessed of God to have been able to receive a revelation from God about intimacy with him. And I've written about it in five books, and they're entitled The One Heart Series. And volume one is with oneness of heart. And we're going to bring about volume one, and we're going to take the book of Hosea, and we're going to apply Hosea to this book, and we're going to apply Hosea to our lives in a class setting. And we're going to do this as the Spirit leads. I cannot tell you exactly how precisely it's going to go, but we're going to go for six weeks at a time. And I invite you to come register for the class. Um, This first class is the beta test class. It's an introductory class. It's going to be free because we're working the bugs out of it and everything. But eventually there will be a cost for the class, and it will be online. And I hope and pray that you will listen and come by and participate in the beta test today at 5 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. And we're going to work it out together. But God is calling for his people to repent. He's calling for us to stop being caught up in ourselves. He's calling for us to stop pretending as if we're God. Stop pretending as if we don't need him. Stop pretending as if he doesn't matter because he does matter. He does matter. He does matter. And so I want to thank those of you who have come on online, and I see you, um, uh, Guest 685 and Guest 714, and I see you, uh, Paulette, and want to say hello to you. Thank you for coming by. It's been a hiatus. It's been a long journey. I hope that uh, you guys have been praying for me. I've had you in my thoughts and my prayers, but it has definitely been a time of total... (laughs) total um, redoing spirit, soul, mind, and body for me. And I thank God because out of it, out of it, he has gotten the victory. He has gotten the praise and the glory for it. And as we go forth, I'm looking forward to renewing some things and restoring some things and doing some new things um, as we continue this broadcast, but also as we launch the virtual classroom. Also, I am most gracious to God for all that he's done and for all that he is doing. And I thank him because he's been faithful, not just over small things in my life, but over great things in my life. He's broken a lot of bondages. He's broken a lot of pain, and he's healed a lot of sorrows, and he's carried a lot of things forward for me. He's been my strength. He's been my shield, my buckler, my shelter. He's been my provider. He's been everything that I've needed him to be. I've come to know him as the I am. I've come to know him as the author and the finisher of my faith, the beginning and the ending. And I tell you, when I look back and I see the reflection of me in the mirror and I look and see what he's brought me from and what he's brought me through, I know 
that he is God. Not that there is a God, but that he is God. There is none other that could have done and is doing what is being done in my life. So I give him the praise and I give him the glory for that. And in verse 8, it says, Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? That's key. That is absolutely key. What have I to do anymore with idols? What is it in your life that is an idol? It's not just a little carved wooden statue that you have on your desk or the Buddha that may be sitting in your prayer closet. It's, it's not the, um, oh, the different symbols and, and things that we hang around our necks and things that we hang up um, on the patio or the things that we hang over the doors or all of that. None of that, none of that, absolutely none of that compares to the idolatry that we find in ourselves. It's one thing to worship an object, but it's another thing to worship yourself. Because he says that he's a jealous God and he will have no other God before him. How can the created thing say to the creator that I am God? He has created us. He created us for his good pleasure. He created us because he wanted us to experience who he really was. He's Jehovah Shaman. He's the one who's present. He's the one who's always there, even in the bad times, even when things are at their darkest. He's still God. And why is it that we feel as though if he's God and he's there, all the bad has to stop in our lives? Lord, how I wish that that were true. When we come to God, does all the bad stuff stop happening? No. Why? Why does it not stop happening? Because remember, the iniquities of our fathers, the transgressions. He said that no longer would the children's teeth be set on edge because of the sins of the father. But we have to work this thing out. We have to apply salvation to our lives. We have to apply what he's done through salvation. It's more than just on your way to heaven. There is your portion to do. His portion is done. It's settled. It's accomplished. It's finished. The word says that his word is settled forever in heaven. It's done. It's over. Everything that needed to be done to make sure that you and I would be able to leave this planet and go to be with him on the day when he comes to get us or on the day when he calls us by name has already been done. It's already been accomplished. Sitting at work and, and somebody on the same road with you passes away. How be it that you didn't pass away just because they passed away? Because he's God. When he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he called forth Lazarus, how be it that every person in the tomb that was named Lazarus didn't come up? Because he calls us by name. He knows us by name. And when he calls your name, there will be an accounting for how you've lived this life, for what you've done. He created you with a purpose and a plan. He created you to do his good pleasure. Are you pleasing him or are you pleasing yourself? Remember, the greatest idol in most of our lives is ourselves. Sure, we love our children. A lot of us worship our children. We worship our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We dote on them. But ultimately, when push comes to shove, guess what? Self-preservation. 
You're going to love that baby. You're going to love that child. You're going to love that husband. But if you have to be faced, some of us, some of us would sacrifice our lives for our children, but a lot of us, if it meant I can live and maybe one day I'll have another child, maybe one day I'll adopt, maybe I'll get married again or, or whatever, I'll find another job, there is an innate sense and desire within us to survive, to live. And for those of us who don't have that, it's because someone has broken in and taken our spirits hostage. They put us in bondage. They've, they've done unnatural things to us that have caused us to lose hope, and so we become suicidal. That's when somebody has operated over your life with mind-binding things, things that have caused your mind to turn on itself. That's when you're dealing with a strong man when he's come in and he's invaded you to the point where he can get you to destroy what you believe is ultimately your pain because taking your life, you think that you'll no longer be in pain. Well, hello. Taking your life is a definite way to be in eternal pain because there is no repentance for that. I cannot tell you that a person who maybe has committed suicide and, and in those final moments have come to themselves and repented and asked God for forgiveness. I don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. I hope that there is, that that is true and for some people who have done that. But ultimately, there is still a price to pay for that because when you get to the judgment seat, God is going to say, how dare you destroy that which I have ordained and created? How dare you forfeit your destiny and your purpose? You're going to have to give an account for that. You don't get just to just check out on life. People get caught up in, in themselves and in their minds, and, and, and they have all these different uh, personalities and all these different things going on inside of them because they're trying to cope with what's going on outside of them. They're trying to deal with what's going on outside of them. And then they're taking the things that are going on outside of them and they're turning them on themselves and they're internalizing that pain and they're letting that pain devour them. And so then we come down with all of these different things because the mind is the place of transformation. The mind is the place of conversion. Let this mind be in who? Be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You must have a renewing of the mind. Your mind must change. And what must your mind change to? It must change to doing, thinking, being, living, moving, having your being in God. You must allow him to revive you in verse 7, as he says, as the corn, and grow you as the vine, and cause your fragrance to be like the wines of Lebanon. And in verse 8, he goes back and he says, Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I've heard him and observed him, and I am like a green fir tree. For me is thy fruit found. Whose fruit? Not your fruit, but his fruit. Because you've allowed him to have his way in your life. So who is wise? And he shall understand these things. If you lack wisdom, ask for it. If you lack understanding, get it. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, are right. And the just shall walk in them. The just 
shall walk in that. The just shall walk in them. The just shall live by faith. The just shall walk in them. The just shall live by faith. But the transgressors shall follow therein. The transgressors, those who continue to sin the sins of the fathers, the iniquity, that bent, that angst that you have towards doing those things that, that tripped up your mother, tripped up your father, tripped up your grandfather and your grandmother, that thing that says, you know, it's just me. I can't help myself. I've got to be me. I've got to do it my way. I've got to do it this way. I've got to do it that way because I don't have a choice. It's not my fault that that was my mother. It's not my fault that that was my father. My mama did it. My daddy did it. So God was not going to hold me accountable for that. Oh, the word says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Just because your mama did it and your daddy did it does not mean you get a free pass. There is a reckoning. There is a reckoning. And you have to realize that at some point, God is going to ask you, what did you do? What did you do? And and the the thing that really gets me is that he already knows what you did, but he's going to ask you what you did. He's going to ask you to give an account for yourself. And everything that you probably think that you want to say or you're going to say and every excuse and every reason that you have to offer up, it's going to all be written. And how dare you think that suddenly your truth is going to outweigh his truth? Because the word says, do what? Let every man be a liar and God the truth. This requires for repentance to be totally and completely effective so that you can Move away from backsliding. He's married to the backslider. says he's married to the backslider. So he is always going to have you engrafted in his hand and in his heart. But he's not going to give you a free pass just because you used to be married to him. He's not going to just give you a bill of divorcement because he wants you to prosper. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to be with him. It's not enough. It's absolutely not enough just to be good. You must be born again. So in being born again, in repenting, you have to step into renewal, renewing of your mind. You have to renew your mind. You have to renew your mind. You have to change the way your mama thought. If your mama didn't think the things of God, you have to change the way your daddy thought. If your daddy didn't think the ways of God, and if your mama and daddy weren't around and whoever raised you, if you brought yourself up, whatever, you're going to have to make some changes in the way that you think. Because God is trying to get money into the hands of his people. And he wants to get it into your hands, not so you can go out and just splurge it and buy a big yacht and a big fur coat and sit out on uh, Catalina Island. I mean, you know, that's lovely. That's, that's just gravy. But he is looking for people who are willing to take what he puts in their hands and put it to the kingdom. He's not expecting for you to just give everything that you get and not be able to have prosperity in your life. He's a prosperous God. Heaven is full of prosperity. He wants you to prosper. 
First John says he wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, not just physical health, spiritual health, financial health. He wants you to be in emotional health, mental health. He wants you whole, spirit, soul, mind, and body, everything about you. He wants it whole, healed, set free, delivered, looking good, smelling good. Just said it, looking good, smelling good. He wants you to look a certain way. He wants you to smell a certain way. He wants, he's concerned about us on every level, on every aspect. But we bought into this whole thing of woe is me. I was, you know, if you're black or of African descent, you know, I was brought over here against my will. Well, you know, I thank God for bringing me over here against my will. Because I don't really know who my people are in Africa I'm of African descent. I'm of European descent. But I don't know who my people are in Africa or in Europe or wherever they were from. I don't know what was their plight. Were they sharecroppers? Were they dirt farmers? Were they, were they servants? What? We were not all kings. I know it's, it's a beautiful thing to think that everybody who was in Africa was a king, a queen, and a prince. And a princess. Well, no. And even if you were, what were you a king over? You know, people over cat. What? What? What were you? What? What was uh, your worth there? God allowed us to be brought, just like He allowed the children of Israel to go through bondage, to go through slavery. He allowed it. Was it good for us? I'll rephrase that. Was it good to us? No, but he says that he takes all things and he works them together for our good. So he takes the good, the bad, the ugly, the sweet, the sour, the precious, all of the things, the joys, the bads, the pains, and he mixes them in up and he makes us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. It is the Father's good pleasure to get the glory out of what man says should destroy us. But because we believe that we're still owed something, be you black, white, red, yellow, brown, we all believe that somebody owes us something. If anybody owes us anything, it's us. We owe ourselves. We owe ourselves the ability to see God as God, to see him prosper us in the land of the living, to see us benefactors of the kingdom, to see us passing off money to our children and to our children's children, to be able to help somebody else's child, to be able to upbuild the kingdom, be it uh, building churches, building apartment complexes, building homes for other people. Whatever it is, there is going to always be the poor. God says that the poor you will have with you always. Why is that? Because not everyone is going to have their mind renewed. And even there are some people who are what we would consider poor who have a better concept of God than we do. They live in poor conditions, but they live rich in spirit. So poverty is a matter of the mind for a lot of people. And so I can't say um, I haven't tapped into that scripture to that degree to say, is he talking about 
poor in natural things or is he talking about poor in the mind? Because everything starts with a thought. If you think it, then you shall be it. It shall come to pass. So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think yourself poor, then you are poor. How how are you poor? If you think yourself ugly, then you are ugly. If you think yourself unattractive, then you're unattractive. If you think yourself stupid, then you're stupid. If you think a thing, then you are more than likely going to become it. If you can see yourself as attractive, then you are attractive. People are attracted to what you are. So if you see someone looking at someone says, you know, my, how beautiful they are. But to you, you know, you don't see that person that way. But because that person has a, something inside of them that says, you know what, I look in the mirror every day and I see myself and I am absolutely my father's beloved. I'm his favorite child. He loves me. He's proud of me. He's pleased with me. I like me. I like the way I look. I like the gifts and the talents that he's given me. I like everything there is about me. Look how wonderful he has made me, how marvelous he has made me from my hair to my toes. Look at the workmanship of my daddy. Look at how much he loves me. Look at how much he cares about me. Look at how much he wants to be with me. How grateful I am that he loves me just like that. How grateful I am. How absolutely grateful I am. For those of you who are in the chat room, you're welcome to chat with me. For those of you who have called in on the line, I'll be with you in just a moment. And we are wrapping up the book of Hosea online, but we are taking it offline. And we are going to get into the book of Hosea from the perspective of intimacy with God. Because these were people who had lost their first love. They had turned away from their first love. They had turned away from the things of God. They had forgotten who God was. And they thought, that they had it all figured out without him. They thought that they had done this themselves because look at what their hands had made, look at what their hands had built. I could only imagine how beautiful things must have been, how wonderful things must have been, how prosperous they must have been, how wealthy they must have been. They must have just been arrayed in the finest things and had the, the, the most sumptuous meals. It doesn't seem as if anyone was in lack. But God had to say, what it is that you need the most, you lack the most. What it is that you think you have the most of has made you poor. And you're not as wealthy as you think you are. Isn't that amazing? Is that you can have all of the houses, all of the land, all of the property, all of the money, and you can't buy yourself well. We've lost so many 
people in the industry, the music industry, and the uh, arts industry, and they've died wealthy people. And all of the wealth that they had, they couldn't buy time. They could not buy time. They could not uh, buy, uh, if you would, something, something that would say to them that I don't want to die. They kept saying that they didn't want to die. But their money can keep them alive, bought them the best treatment in the land, yet they still died. Who are we? Who are we that we dare forget who he is? Remembering who he is and remembering who we are keeps us in perspective and keeps us from repeating the sins of our fathers. Knowing who God is requires us to spend time with him, to get intimate with him, to have a relationship with him, to get to know him, to get to know his voice, to get to know his ways, um, to become the sheep of his pasture, to allow him to lead us and to guide us and to direct us and to talk to us and to love on us and to woo us and to tell us how much he loves us and how proud he is. Well, that takes time and it takes effort. And that's what intimacy with God is about. And out of that intimacy comes the healing that so many of us seek, that so many of us need and desire to have in our lives, is that he desires us. He desires us. I see that I have someone who wants to come online, um, and I am coming to you. Caller 1, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, how are you? How are you? Awesome, awesome. I see um, my special guest has arrived um, on the air with me, and this is uh, Chevis King of Apple Tree Media, and he is a newspaper publisher, and we've had some conversations, some great offline conversations um, in regards to the themes of God and how we as a people, not just uh, being black people or white people, but how we as a people of God have neglected the things of God. And God has a plan for us. He wants us to change our hearts, change our minds, change our status, because he has work for us to do. It takes money to build a kingdom. (laughs) It takes money to support your family. Everything takes money. But then favor trumps money. But at the same time, to get favor, you've got to be brought into the presence of those who can favor you. Absolutely, and uh, I was listening to you a moment ago, and uh, first of all, what a marvelous, marvelous program you've done. Excellent the past hour plus. But I was hearing you a moment ago about how God wants us to have these wonderful things. He, He didn't design us or bring us here to be poor and to think. Uh, in a poor way to to have poverty and enjoy it or just to be in it and not figure out how to get out of it uh, and and uh, to leave things for our children, our grandchildren, our children's children. All of this is God's plan. And, yes. Uh, so these are the things that that has to be spoke about uh, fervently and and more often. And I was so pleased to hear you. I had to go ahead and, and jump in here pretty quickly because your time is going away. And I got caught up in Hosea, and it is just so <laughs> wonderful. But let me tell you something. 
the things that you're talking about now in terms of what is available to us through God is so real. It is so real, and we see it every day through the lives of other people. And and I'm not just talking black or white, but I'm talking all people. People come to this country, and and they come for one reason, and that reason is freedom and the opportunities to prosper and to yes. do things for their families and for their children, and they're doing it successful. And oftentimes uh, they're doing it uh, in, in, in communities where there's a large population of black people. That's something to think about. It is something to think about. And uh, and it's not just something to think about. It's something to act upon. And uh, of course, I'm not going to just be somebody who, uh, who who get on the radio and talk about what others should do, because I have a big part in this. You know, I have a huge part to play because God uh, created me for a purpose. And okay, I, I actually think that uh, one of the purposes. Uh, uh, is to help guide the way and uh, provide some leadership, not to try and take over leadership, but to work in harmony with other people to to make sure that the manifestation of a successful people can can come forth. You know, you know when we had uh, the elections last year, and you heard uh, after the election of the first black president uh, ever, uh, and some some would challenge that. But when uh, Barack Obama was elected to be the president, you heard statements like, I never thought I would ever see this. I never thought it. Well, uh, a lot of people didn't think it. Well, there are people today who don't believe that they can have prosperity without depending on government or without uh, uh, depending on other people, and it can happen, and it should happen. But when we like Christianity, we have to make a choice. You have yeah. to choose. You have to choose, and uh, and so that's what the, some of the roles that I want to play. Okay, okay. So how um, someone who's trying to understand the roles that we play as individuals in the community at large, not just say, in um, your local community, but the community at large, because when you mentioned about President Obama, I mean, he has put a charge out to the nation and to the international community to be about doing something, doing something and not waiting for government to be the hand up or the hand out, but for us to do something. And I believe that this is a call um, for us as believers, well, true, and uh, and it and it's not that we should turn our backs completely on government, but we have to give him something to work with. We have to create some some dynamics within our community whereby we can we can go and and actually uh, bring these issues before the government. Then we take our uh, elected officials, uh, the blacks, that is. Uh, and, and we challenge them to make sure that all of the, the rules are the same and that our assets can be protected. Now, uh, the president, he was elected at large all over the United States. People voted for him. 
He is the president of all of the people, not just black people. Exactly, yeah. And, and so black people in Arkansas, in Cleveland, Ohio, in uh, Durham, North Carolina, Dallas, Texas, anywhere there are black people, and that's all over the United States, we should see opportunity uh, in any one of those cities to help move each other forward. And, and, and it comes by trading. It doesn't come by going to these cities and say, can you give me a donation? Can you give me this? Can you give me that? But it comes by trading. And trading is what manifests the opportunities where people can be employed, where you can gain wealth, and these, these, these kind of things. But there has to be a roadmap. There has to be ways by which these things can come about. Because, well, know, can, can I ask you this question? Sure. Um, when, when we talk about the wealth and we talk about, um, you know, us doing something and stepping up to the plate and government, I mean, how is it that if, for instance, when, when we're talking about having a changed mind, ha- that you can be poor physically, you can be poor naturally but be rich in mind, but Ultimately, if your mind is changed, if you if you have a change of heart, a change of mind, it all is going to start from the mind, and the mind has to be renewed to the things of God. And God says that He wants us to prosper, spirit, soul, mind, and body. He wants us whole on every level. Uh, Hosea talked about it uh, in ways that I I've read that and and I miss it. He says, you know, that He wants us to look a certain way, He wants us to smell a certain way. I'm like, come on, God, <laughs> is that you? You know, is that going to be from a government-issued check that we're going to be looking good and smelling good? I mean, what what are you saying that, you know, he wants us to, to do something? He wants us as people. I mean, are we waiting for the next government handout? Are we waiting for something from the church? Well, listen, uh, we're actually doing both, and we're doing both probably in the wrong way. Now, mm-hmm. now uh, far be it for me to to lecture people, but just to provide what I have lived uh, in terms of experience. I've done it both ways. I've done it, tried to do it politically. I've mm-hmm. tried to do it from from a Democrat, from a Republican, from an independent. I've done it as a business person. I've worked in corporate America. But let me tell you something. The way it has to be done in America is through now, how does the government play into that to, 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 to answer your question? Well, the government will aid you if you have something to go on, if you create businesses whereby you can, you can go to them and, and, and create the way that, it, that you can, A, pay the money back, and that you have mm-hmm. a viable, viable business there that's going to hire people. Now, how does that happen? We have a market, a market of black people who earn certain amount of money. They disperse that money almost instantly. Money comes through the hands of black people in a very, very, very quick way. Now, what happens is, let's just take an instance for the government, and this 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 is not limited to welfare recipients. This is welfare recipients, Social Security recipients. Uh, uh, Medicare or whatever it is, uh, uh, disability, the monies that come through the government 
we can take that money and turn that money around through trading, not all of it, but a small portion of that, and begin to establish the kind of foundation that is needed in order to serve other people. It's the service. You know, if you if you go back uh, in the Bible, the Bible talks about serving people, loving your neighbor. It's providing services for money. So we don't we don't go to other stores and expect to get service without paying for it. Right. We shouldn't, we shouldn't expect the, the, the same uh, in our communities or black on black. It's mm-hmm. not about race. It's really about green. But you, we can't be out of the game and be in the game at the same time. And so we've been absent from the game for a number of years. I'm talking about a number of years, and we've got to get back into the game. And in order for us to do it successfully, we've got to have a roadmap for people uh, to be able to uh, look at, uh, analyze, and be taught about and trained and so that they can decipher this information and be convinced that this is a good thing for them. Because after all, it is, what about me? It's what's in it for me. Well, well, we have to be able to to demonstrate that through dialogue, through plans, in order for to convince people. And I want to be a part of that. Okay. Well, you know, I believe that ultimately we have to start with the spirit of the man because um, I read somewhere about the statistics of people who have won the lottery and people who aren't accustomed to having money is that they win this lottery and within two years they're broke again. Sure. So not only, has to, not only the lottery, professional athletes do it also. Yeah, exactly. But the thing of this is that in order for them to gain a, a mindset of wealth uh, creation and, and wealth maintenance, it's one thing they say to create wealth, but it's another thing to keep it, another thing to maintain it. So in order to maintain that wealth, it has to begin with the one who has given us the power to get wealth. We have to have a foundation, I believe, um, rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus so that when we do get money, he can trust us with money and that we can do the things in the proper order. So to get that, to get that money, to get that money um, and keep it in the community and not just in, say, the black community, but to keep it in, in play in my mind is that in my heart I desire to be someone who gives to the kingdom who builds in the kingdom, who is able to just, you know, hear a ministry say, okay, we need X amount of dollars to do this and say, okay, I got it. Sure. You know, you don't have to go like that, but to have the heart of a giver, it's one thing if we say, okay, well, we can show people how to get wealth and we can show people how to get it, but if your heart and your purpose and your reason for getting that wealth is all about you, you're for it no more, then that's a miserable Existence. Well, yes, know, he wants us to prosper, right? Right. Well, if you go back and you look at the uh, the talents, you know that that's good. That's in the Bible. If you go back and you look at that, that is a clear indication of what God wants us to do. He wants us to take our talents. He wants us to take our money, and he wants us to expand it and make mm-hmm. it grow that it actually Amen. serves more people. Now he 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 commands that we 
give 10%. He, that's all he asked for. He said, I'll take, if you just be, if you share with me what I will provide for you, and you you take 90% and give 10% back to the kingdom. I suggest more than that. I really do. Exactly. But, you know, the Bible talks about that. Sure. <laughs> and, and, and I want to do that, and I, I exactly. try as hard as I can. But if you if, if, if he says, if you just give me 10% and you take 90 then I will bless you more than you could ever, ever imagine. But now he, he asks you to take that 90% and expand it because if you don't do it as as in the in the uh, the talents, then what he'll do is he'll take it away from you. So what happens is when you're not serving people, when you're not using your money the way it ought to be used, then what happens is he takes it away and gives it to other people. And let, let yeah. Me, let me just okay. try and yeah. bring this into into light. And this is mm-hmm. not this is not to 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 uh, hate or talk about any one group. But if you if you look at foreigners who come to America, and because we refuse as a mass of black people, because we refuse to use our talents the way God asks us to, then what happens is he takes that money from us and gives it to foreigners who are doing what he asks them to do or us to do, and they expand and we lose because we're... Now that's deep. I mean, it's just because we're, we're, we're we're just eating it up. And you can't, uh-huh. you cannot continue your way into prosperity. You know what? Okay, I I, I see where you're coming from. It's like, you know, because we consume, we we right. eat the seed, we eat the seed, and so seed. we don't have seed in the ground. Yeah, which is it is still we still on the same page. You're coming at it from you know that direction, and so we we're getting an understanding here, and we hoping that the audience is getting an understanding is that God He says that He is the one who gives us the power to get well, and he also gives seed to the sower, not to the eater. He right. gives seed to the sower. So if we are eating everything that we get, then we are also diminishing our ability to get seed. Right. God, because God, we're eating everything that we get. God is saying, listen, for those people who are just eating up the seed, mm-hmm. there's not going to be anything left for anybody else, so I have to take that away from them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the people who are sowing the seed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if you, if you look at it, and, and this is a that's way mm-hmm. to address it, but it's mm-hmm. very profound because God's word is true. You know. Now, if you, if, what if we had uh, the way we're acting as a mass of people, and it, and it's not to to be moan or to put anybody down, but look at us eating our seed corn. What if? If we 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 never never planted a seed in the ground, we wow. depend on other people to do the planting. They do the planting, and then we just take our small amount of money, talent, and then we go buy what we need. And you run out every week. We get we God provides us yeah. with a paycheck mm-hmm. every week, and, mm-hmm. and on Friday and by Monday we have given it all back just eating, consuming, and God is saying, look, 
other people are planting the seeds in order for you to have what you are having and you're not appreciating it. So this is this is the way it is. My word is true. So therefore, if you, if you're spending four hundred dollars a week and all you're doing is consuming, that is the extent of what's going to happen for you. And then every now and then he throws in uh, something like uh, an emergency, <laughs> mm. like a, a blown engine mm. mm-hmm. or, 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 or an accident or a health mm-hmm. problem, and mm-hmm. now you are really behind the eight ball because mm-hmm. you, you, you're, not, you're not planting any seeds, you're not serving yeah. anybody, you're not expanding. So that's and that's a spiritual principle. You know, that you reap what you sow, it's a law of reciprocity. So you, you tapped into, you know, you from the natural side, you tapped into the spiritual side of it sure. because the, the laws of God are intact. They're in place, and his law is unchanging. His word is unchanging. So uh, we've got like 19 minutes in the show, and I totally understand where you're coming from, but I'd like to know is that um, how do people who are interested in where you're coming from, from your perspective, on uh, – the passage of God giving us the power to get wealth, and in Hosea, where God is saying that if people would turn and repent, that he would cause us to look good, smell good, you know, and, and to prosper. He wants us to be in health, but we have to turn away from this idolatry that every time that we get something, we've got to consume it on ourselves, because that's a form of idolatry. And that's, that's, that's basically what the children of Israel were doing, is that they had turned away from him, and they were no longer doing the things that would edify God. They were doing what would please them. So how do people, with 18 minutes in the show, how do people get in touch with you uh, to uh, invite you on their show as I've invited you? Because I understand where you're coming from, even though some people may listen to this archive or even listen to the show right now and, and feel as if we've digressed. But this is the definite direction that I believe that God is taking us as a people, whether you're black, white, red, or yellow, is that he wants to get wealth into our hands, but he has to change our minds. So that when we get the money, we will know how to listen to him for direction on how to use the money. Well, now listen, so it's yes. Here's here's what I want to do. I want I, I I'm not going to give a website out because I have okay. a definite plan in place and a definite time, and I will share that with people who will email me and ask for the information. Okay, what's your email? It's Chevis, C-H-E-V-I-S, at SpreadThatWealth.com. Okay. Would you repeat that? Chevis, C-H-E-V-I-S, at SpreadThatWealth.com. Okay, so people can reach you by email through Chevis at SpreadThatWealth.com, and you said that's spelled C-H-E-V, V as in Victor? Yes. I-S as in Sam, at Spread, Spread, like Spread, like a Spread, that Wealth.com. Yes. Okay. All right. That's awesome, and I hope that uh, people will reach out to you and talk to you about, you know, what you believe in and your plan, but most of all, I do believe that ultimately we all have to come together. God has given us all a peace. God has, you know, uh, given us a piece of this whole thing 
that will bring wholeness to the body of Christ, that will bring wholeness to his people. And we can't turn a deaf ear because that's why um, sometimes we, we get so caught up on the spiritual side that we don't have balance. And God wants us to be balanced. He wants us to have an understanding because the kingdom of God is about balance. It's about balance. You uh, know, you, uh, you look at, yes. Ms. Adams, listen, I want, I want to add this. You know, I, uh, I, I am a junior. <laughs> I am a okay. junior. And I use that constantly. So it's Chevis J.R., Chevis Jr., at spreadthatwealth.com. Okay, okay. Uh, we need to make a correction on your email address is what you're saying. So it's yes. Chevis, C-H-E-V-I-S-J-R, yes. at spreadthatwealth.com. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, all right. So for our listeners and um, those of you who would like to get in touch with um, Mr. King, he can be reached at Chevis, C-H-E-V-I-S-J-R, at spreadthatwealth.com. And I do believe that um, he has um, some really insightful things to say. And, and, and you know, if, if in listening to him and, and putting it in perspective with what God is saying he's saying this to his people, and we are all his people. But is he our Lord? In order for him to trust you with the wealth, you have to let him be the Lord of your life. You can have the wealth. We talked about that. You can have the wealth, but you can't buy health. You can't buy life because so many people who have had wealth have died have, you know, tried to prolong their days and it's clear what the Word of God says, you know, what man can add anything to his life, anything to his days. When God requires you, he requires you. So while you're down here, you come into this world naked and you're going to leave here naked, why not put the wealth that God wants to put into your hands to the kingdom? He says, if you would put it to the exchange, that's what... He says in his word in Matthew, if you would take the money that he gives you and put it to the exchange, not talking about the stock market, the kingdom of God itself is an exchange system. It is the greatest stock exchange system that you will ever find on the planet because you can't do what beat God giving. If you give to him, he says that he would give to you and he would cause not just him give to you, but he would cause other people to give to you. Correct. Press down, shaking together, running over, that you won't have room enough to receive. So if you would learn to uh, do nothing else but take the seed that he gives you and give him 10% of the seed that he gives you, and God be merciful and gracious to us as we go on this journey, and put it to the exchange. That's right. Put it God to the has, exchange. God has billions and billions of dollars. All, everything is his, and he has set it out there for us. We just, all we have to do is just follow his instructions. Billions of dollars, billions of dollars that we can. We've had it before, but it, it was under kind of an oppressed state. But we've had it. We had it in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We've had it in Mount Bayer, uh, Louisiana. We had it in Durham, North Carolina, Chicago, Illinois, all over this country where black people prospered and they had fun. They had smiles on their faces. They were in in control of their children, their families. But they also were following the, the word of God in spite of the oppression. 
you know, okay, okay, you, you, you know, yes, okay. I'm following you on that because um, in thinking about looking at the people who were a part of the Underground Railroad, whatever, I mean, they looked to God. Even in that oppressive situation, they were looking to God. And the word, you know, tells us that he's the author and the finisher, that he's the beginning and the end, and he is the alpha and the omega. Um, I definitely would like to bring you on the show and just do a different segment altogether where we can, uh, you know, explore this some more. So I've taken note of your email as well, and we will definitely be in touch and definitely setting up some things here in the future. And I'm hoping, yes. I appreciate you allowing me to to uh, interrupt and kind of barge me a piece of this show. But, you know, it was so wonderful. And when I heard you speaking to what God desires us to be, smell good, look good, have money, no poverty, I said, my goodness, I have got to, I just got to call right now. So I would love it if you would invite me on without me breaking it because Hosea is so good. I tell you, you know, it's unbelievable. I have read Hosea before, and when I look at that and all of a sudden I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, because, you know, he is, his word is so real and his word is so alive. And when he brought that to my spirit, I'm thinking, like, wait a minute, you know. This is, this is he is concerned about how you look. He is concerned about how you look. He wants you to smell good. You know, and he says that we are a fragrance in his nostrils. You know, so when he smells us, he wants to smell our spirit, man. He wants to smell the sweetness of our spirits. You are very clear on it, and you've done an excellent job. I'm going to get off of here and listen to the remainder because please do invite me again, and maybe we can have a... Uh, uh, a dedicated moment where we can expand and uh, most definitely, most definitely, most definitely. Right. Because I'm, you know, on on this broadcast, I want to cover the whole man. So most definitely, I want to bring you back on, and we'll work out the details. I'll, you know, shoot you an email, and we'll work out the details on the format and everything. And I've enjoyed having you on the show, and it was a nice opening uh, for me to hear from you know a different perspective on what it was. Um, that God was speaking to you about. So that, that you know, in itself is um, phenomenal how God is not just talking to people on one level, but he's talking to us on all levels because he has us here for a reason. And I hope and pray that you'll get to do all that God has called you to do because I definitely hope and pray that he allows me to do all that he's caused uh, and brought me here for the kingdom to do as well. So we've got nine minutes remaining in the show. I'm going to um, hang up right now with uh, Chevis King, and if you'd like to get in touch with him, his number, uh, his email, rather, he said, is Chevis Jr. at SpreadThatWealth.com. Again, it's C-H-E-V-I-S Jr., J-R, at SpreadThatWealth.com. And thank you so much, uh, Chevis, for being on the show. Well, thank you, and God bless you. God bless you, too. Okay. As we come to uh, the last nine minutes of the show, I spent time with him because I wanted to hear what he had to say from his perspective because this is more than just spiritual. This is on every level. God is wanting to restore his people on every level. He wants your mind to be whole 
so that you can know how to use the money that he's about to put into your hands because there is coming a transfer of wealth and there is coming not just a financial transfer of wealth but a spiritual transfer of wealth into the lives of his people. And we have to be wise stewards on every level. So don't neglect one side for the other side because then you become lopsided and you'll tilt over and fall. You know, being like just so deep and so holy that you can't comprehend or you can't open yourself up to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is truly saying to the whole body. So I thank um, our, our guests, and we had uh, guests in the chat room, and I guess you guys uh, were just really listening and tuning into the show, and I want to thank you for being in the chat room uh, with us. And I want you to know that Jesus is Lord and that he loves you and that he cares about you, and that he wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And remember, Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven says that he knows the plans that he has for you. He wants to prosper you. He wants not to harm you, and he wants you to be in good health. And just like the children of Israel in the book of Hosea, I hope you too will turn for those of you who have not been serving him with your whole heart and repent from your sins and from your iniquities so that he can use you for his glory so that the kingdom can be built and edified and magnified and God can be pleased with the way that we look and smell and that we are representing him very well in the kingdom, not just externally, but beauty on the inside puts beauty on the outside. What you wear is not who you are, it's who you are and how you look from the inside out that matters to God. But he wants you to look good on the outside too, and he wants you to smell good on the outside. But make your spirit smell good to him. And if you'll cause your spirit to be of a sweet fragrance to him, the rest will come. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. God is a God that he cannot lie. He cannot lie. He will not lie. It's not in him to lie because he is what? He is the truth, the way and the life. So they that come to him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So I invite you, those of you who don't know the Lord in the pardon of your sins, that you would simply just take the time right now and ask him to come into your heart to save you, to heal you, to make you whole, to restore you, to receive you back to himself he loves you he's waiting on you and just simply say father in the name of jesus i ask you to come into my life fill me with your holy presence baptize me in your holy spirit renew in me a clean heart renew my mind restore me to the way and the things and the places that you would have me to be and who you want me to be In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you again. God keep you. God cause his face to shine upon you. And most of all, if you can't do anything else and you don't have anything else, you always have a praise. Find something that you can give God the praise for because he is still God. And as long as he is seated on the throne, there will always be hope. Don't cast away your hope. The word says that it has great recompense of reward. 
So you have to hope. You have to have hope because without hope you can't have faith. And without faith you can't please God. So we want to be found pleasing God and we want to be found hoping in God and we want to be found being in God. Remember, in him you live, you move, and you have your being. And without him you have nothing. Though you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what good is it to you? Because one day you came in here naked, the next day you're going to leave her naked, and everything that you've amassed, somebody else is going to either enjoy it, go through it, or put it to good use, but it won't be to your use. I challenge you to read the book of Hosea. I challenge you to join us at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time for our virtual class, our beta test. We don't have everything completely tweaked out, but we're working it out. So we invite you to come and join us for the beta test at www.wizIQ.com forward slash Patricia E. Adams at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time as we take a look at the book of Hosea in a virtual classroom setting and dig deeper. We will cover it for six weeks, and we will be coming at it from the standpoint of intimacy with God because out of intimacy with God comes revelation, and out of revelation comes inspiration. And if you are inspired, then you are in the spirit. Like John on the Isle of Patmos, he says that I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and every day is the Lord's day, so it's a good day to be inspired. I am thoroughly inspired. I hope that you've been inspired. I hope that you've been enlightened. I hope that you will grow in grace, and I hope that you will increase in peace and knowledge and understanding and wisdom and insight, and may the angels of the Lord go before you to make your way plain. May you know the hope of your calling. May you make your calling and your election sure. May you be confident of this one thing, that he who has begun it is able to complete it until the day of his return. Be found faithful in his service. Be found lacking nothing, nothing broken, nothing missing, fully persuaded that he is Lord of your life. Again, you be blessed. Until next time, this is Patricia Adams on blogtalkradio.com, Patricia Adams Live. In and out of situations that tug of war and need, all day long I struggle. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.